What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I am your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me as always is the man who is sweating it out and getting fit, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. Yeah, and I'm getting sore. Gosh, you know, it's been a while since we worked out, certainly pre-COVID, and maybe <laughs> maybe even double that time. Maybe uh, even for, longer than yeah. that. Yeah, big news in our household is you and I got a gym membership. We And since we've had it, we've been working out together we've been driving yeah. over there together and working out something that we have not done before i'm not quite sure why but we just didn't work out together gyms have not necessarily been your favorite place to go to though you like to do road work a lot i used to run quite a bit and then i had a gym that i had in the garage and but yeah i i really i think that's the highlight now is going with you and we talk before we go in and then when we're there we do our thing and then we get back together and walk out and talk about it. So, you know, that's it's it's something that even though we're not talking, we know we're within. We see one another. We smile. It keeps us connected. And we remember that, hey, we're kind of the older group in there now than when we were used to. I know. We used to be the young the young people, but now we're not so young. And, uh, yeah, we see a lot of young people in there like, wow, I got a, I got a lot of work to do. We do have a lot of work to do. <laughs> but it's fun to go to the gym. Now, I recognize just in the couple of weeks that we have been going – my lung capacity, my ability to kind of push myself yeah. a little bit more, getting stronger. And then I, you push yourself maybe even a little bit farther to, to really help your body get in shape. And boy, those, the feeling that you get after one of those great workouts, you're, it's almost like euphoria, like you feel like, oh, I feel fantastic. Kind of, kind of forget what the endorphin rush that naturally happens in your body is all about because we haven't pushed ourselves until recently to, to receive that again. You know, and one of the things I think I feel like when I'm in there is I'm gravitating to things that will help me do daily activity more than thinking about how I'm going to look. You know, when I was a kid, you're trying to have big guns and the six pack abs. Mm -hmm. No, I'm, I'm on the, the machine that nobody there goes on the back machine. I'm trying to strengthen my back, my lower back and, and doing the crunches, um, so my mind is in the the context of focusing on how I can continue to be fit in my older years, which that's humbling, but it's it's kind of nice because I don't have any competition for the machines that I want to get on. <laughs> uh, it is a lot of fun to be able to go, but it's a good kind of metaphor, though, too, about how we've been feeling about our church life and parish life, not about going to mass on the Sunday. Of course, that's what we do. That's what we've always done. But it's about getting back into that routine of ministry and and getting that part of your life kind of active again, especially if you've let it go over the COVID year and a half, two years now almost, that it's just kind of those things that you used to get excited about, those ministries that fed you, that strengthened your faith. Well, they kind of went to the wayside because we couldn't meet. And now, well, maybe it's time to get back at it, get back into the parishes and really start to work out. I'm really excited about today's show because in some of the parishes in the Archdiocese of Portland, and I know in Seattle, our parish at St. Joseph has been a part of this. It's called Amazing Parish. And this is a way that engages 
the parish in a way that allows it to be led in the direction that it's meant to be, right? It's not another one of these ministries. And so I'm going to have an opportunity today to talk to them because they've, it's, a, it's a great program, but it also talks about ways how it connects parishes, the people, and if they have a school, those families also. And certainly with COVID, now that people are coming back, the, in that disconnectedness, we are having vacancies that we need filled where we have ushers, to people to greet. Right. How, we, we should be a church that invites people in, invites the people that we know and those that are coming new, but we don't have ushers. And so we're trying to rekindle the spirit of service of the laity. And and the priest is really working to try and, and re, reconnect that. And so that's right now to get an amazing parish, you have to have all of that ministry component, but it has to be following in a direction that the priest mm. is being led, feels led to, to lead. So in some ways it's a challenge, but I think in some ways it's a restart. It gives, I think it gives a priest an opportunity that they might not have had pre-COVID. Parents, especially parents of older children, it's maybe our opportunity to press on them the importance of finding a ministry that they can serve in. Our son used to be an altar server you know, quite mm-hmm. often. And now since we not had any altar servers and they're looking for them, he's like, no, I don't know that right. I want to do that. But it's important to pick up those things again. And through your own volunteering in ministries that shows our children, that's so important. And then our second half, we want to share with you what it's like to be a school family and a church family and how that can be an amazing experience that we can share with you for Hope in an Amazing Parish. So we got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. Stay with us. Wow, I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't. I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't. The beauty of God's creation is all around us. But how often do we look? Instead, we often wrestle with life and search for God in our struggles. One great Christian, St. Augustine, who lived in North Africa around 400 AD, struggled with the world. His relationship with his father was strained and distant. Augustine described himself as an immoral young man caught up in drinking, women, and the heresies of the day. St. Augustine experienced a great conversion his heart being restless until it rested in God, saying to God, beauty ever ancient, ever new, you were within and I was without. I searched, you called, you shouted and broke through my deafness and my blindness. You breathed fragrance on me. You then touched me and now I hunger and burn for your peace. This has been a bit of Catholic encouragement from Michael Gisandi. A great way to support Mater Day Radio is through our Leadership Circle. These are businesses and organizations whose names you hear on the air every day. They believe in our mission of providing the region with positive Catholic radio programs of faith and hope. Simply put, our Leadership Circle members keep our broadcast strong through their financial generosity. If you run a business or organization, please join us. We need you. Information on our Leadership Circle at materdayradio.com. It's Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken with their 
View from the Pew on Mater Day Radio. If someone on the street came up to you and asked you, do you have an amazing parish? What would be your answer? Perhaps in thinking about that, your answer squarely sits with the opinion of your priest homily from last week. But a parish is so much more than that. The movement Amazing Parish recognizes that great parishes are led by great pastors, and they were not meant to lead alone. Parishes in the Archdiocese of Portland and Seattle are pushing to move out of mediocrity and into amazing. And joining me today to share more are coaches from Amazing Parish, Alan Badia and Jake Stanley. Alan, Jake, thank you so much for joining me today. Yes. Hi, Brenda. How are you today? Oh, we're doing great. Alan, I'd like to ask you first as lead coach, you know, there's lots of programs out there for parishes and they're all designed to engage a parish community. So how does Amazing Parish stand out from the rest? Yeah, it's a great question because first and foremost, we would say we don't see ourselves as a program um, at all. We're trying to actually depart from the programmatic world because we really gonna get, we want to go back to the heart of how Jesus led and Jesus led through his personality. He led through his leadership and his encounters with people. And we're just kind of going back to the basics. So um, although we have a great foundation through Pat Lanchoni, who's one of our co-founders, who's done so much work with organizational health in the secular world, we have that background. But really, at the end of the day, what we're doing is really simple. We're going back to the heart of how this all started. And that's just Jesus leading through who he is and leading through the people around him, which would be Peter, James, and John and his disciples. So Amazing Parish comes to a pastor and says, hey, you don't have to do this by yourself, uh, but you do have to lead. And in order to do that, we got to get some people around you who are going to think like you, who are going to support you, and they're going to have some hard conversations on your behalf. Um, And so that's the difference between Amazing Parish and probably some other programs. This goes to the heart of many issues that happen in the parish, by making sure that the pastor knows how he's leading the parish and really what is the parish standing for to begin with. Alan, are priests coming out of seminary today with strong uh, leadership training? Uh, no. I mean, that's the thing. That's probably the, the, the refrain we hear all the time is pastors say, you know, I wasn't ordained for this. And it's, it's really actually a touching moment for us. And uh, it's an honor for us to speak with pastors this vulnerably um, they get to share with us how they they were kind of ordained for when they when they were ordained they they were excited about the sacraments and service, and then they're thrown into these mega parishes. Even if they're in the country, they're thrown into these mega budgets and a countless number of decisions that really uh, most CEOs are dealing with. And so they're thrown into this position, thinking, "Whoa, this is not what I was ordained for." And so we come and help them alongside with us and say, "Hey, Father." When you said yes on your ordination date, uh, you were saying not just yes to the priesthood, but you were saying yes to whatever that entailed. And that often entails leadership as a pastor. So we help them kind of jump that uh, obstacle, if you will. Alan Badia and Jake Stanley are joining me today. They are both with Amazing Parish, a wonderful new, I wouldn't even call it ministry, just a, an apostolic Movement, movement. Yes. yes, that priests from the Archdiocese of Seattle and in the Archdiocese of Portland are engaging in their own parishes. Well, Jake, I want to ask you something, because looking at your own webpage, and you talked a little bit about this, is 
that the pastor is meant to be the leader, but he's also not meant to lead alone. So who are the leaders of a parishes that are meant to work with the pastor through Amazing Parish? Yeah, that's a great question, Brenda. Um, Honestly, the answer is it can be such a diverse group. Oftentimes, parish leadership teams are made up of paid staff members, but in many parishes, they are also equally filled with volunteers, people who just truly love the Lord, have encountered Him in their lives. They're deeply committed to their parish community, and they have an outlook for the, con- the well-being and concerns of the whole parish. And so many parishes are, are filled with these people that just are looking for a way to serve and when Father approaches them to invite them into this kind of leadership role, it is such a great outlet for them to be involved and to help lead the community. So there's, there's a unity there of people within the community, but there's also um, many pastors connecting with one another within the diocese. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of pastors in the Portland area and, and uh, beyond that are finding deeper unity and supporting one another as they lead in this new way as well. So it's powerful to see that unity, even on a broader scale. Our pastors, well, they definitely need the help of their parishioners, and really together will make an amazing parish. Jake, I'd like to ask you too, so many parishes within the Archdiocese, well, they are fortunate to have a school. But you know, something I have found as a school parent myself is oftentimes there is a disconnect between the parish family, and the school family. Is there a way that Amazing Parish works to bring both of those together? Yes. You know, a a number of the pastors we work with, I'd even say probably a majority, have a school at their parish. And the school tends to be a particularly tough uh, code to crack because oftentimes there's one culture in the parish and there's an entirely different culture in the school. And I think a, a... a mental shift that has to happen is recognizing that the school is often the largest ministry, the largest apostolate of the mission of the parish. And so when a pastor can surround himself with leaders that have that vantage point to say, we're not just going to focus on the parish side and let the school figure, figure themselves out. When a pastor says, hey, the school is actually one of the biggest ways that we help people encounter the love of God in our parish. And so we need to transform the culture of our parish and our school. And our leadership team is going to focus on that and prioritize that. We have seen great fruits come about. And when a principal leads that way, man, the stories that come about of teachers praying in their classrooms in new ways and kids who receive the gospel in a powerful way are are truly transformative. Alan, you have more to say on that too. Yeah, so I think that's a real pain point for a lot of us, right? We go to our parish, we go to our kids go to the school, but you can see the divide between the two, or not not so much a divide, but the distance. And that causes a lot of pain sometimes because you can see really uh, clearly as a parishioner or as a school member that the priorities aren't matching between the two. And particularly, you'll see that those two things kind of come, come out ahead in conversations with big decisions that need to get made. And so what we would say is, uh, you know, that's a real thing. Um, We would go to a pastor and to a principal and say, look, there's this concept of team number one. Team number one says uh, it's not the school that's number one. It's not even the parish that's number one. It's it's our collective leadership that is number one. We we come to the table together for the sake of the mission of Jesus. That's team number one. 
the thing is that when we allow the things that we lead, let's say a principal and her school or a pastor and his ministries, when we allow those things that we lead to be for those to be team number one and for the mission to be team number two, we end up leaving those folks that we lead to fight bloody and unwinnable battles because the the parishioner might be battling with a school situation and they don't really know how to make the solution because the leaders aren't on the same page. Mm -hmm. And so um, we really want to reduce that suffering by getting the father, by getting the pastor and that principal on the same page, on the same team saying, Hey, what is the mission that that is before us that Jesus is inviting us into? And are we going to make that the priority or are we going to make our own things the priority? Oh, I am raising my hands and in total <laughs> agreement with you, Alan. I love that so much. Well, here's the big question. This all sounds great. Everybody who wouldn't want to have an amazing parish that they attend, mm-hmm. but there are some steps to get there. So how do parishes and how have our parishes in the archdiocese that have engaged in amazing parishes? How does this actually begin to come together and work on a regular day-to-day basis. I think your question gets at something so good because you might think that the journey towards becoming an amazing parish really starts with coming to one of our conferences or trying some of the coaching or whatever it may be, but it's not that. The, the start of this journey really comes when a pastor in prayer makes the decision to be a leader when he makes the decision to not just allow his calendar or all the the demands of the parish to dictate his energy and his priorities, but when he makes the decision to say, Jesus has entrusted me to lead the souls of this parish, and I am going to embrace that responsibility with joy, that's really the start of an amazing parish. And obviously then there's, we, we do host annual uh, summits. We used to call them conferences um, for pastors and their teams. We offer coaching and online resources. Um, but many of the pastors in, in the diocese have come to a recent conference that we hosted and are receiving coaching. And, and it has been truly incredible to see the, the fruit that's come in some of these teams. Um, I'm working with a few pastors who... Um, I was talking with uh, Father Ken Sampson. You may know Father Ken. Um, We were talking the other day about some of the transformation happening in his parish and his leadership team. uh, They just started coming to daily mass with him and after mass standing outside to encounter parishioners and pray with them. And they started doing this in such a way that people were just drawn to this. They were, they were attracted even from neighboring parishes to come. Uh, and, and Father Ken told his leadership team, he said, in all my time as a priest, this is the best time in my priesthood. And so just to see when you are surrounded by a team who is on mission together and you start to see the fruits leak into the parish, um, there is such a joy there as a leader. For somebody who is listening, maybe they want to find out more information about it, maybe find a way to bring it to their parish. Alan, share with our listeners, where can they find more information? Yeah, you can come visit us at amazingparish.org, and you can start to watch a lot of our conference videos. Um, You can even uh, check out our recording of our latest webinar uh, where we got a, 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 a basically all of our parishes together on this national webinar to kind of give a state of the union, like where is the Holy Spirit leading us? And so that's probably the best place to start is to go to amazingparish.org and just start clicking around. Um, we, we love to just, we love pastors, we love teams. And so that's probably the best place to start. 
Oh, fantastic. Well, it is an amazing parish program, and I encourage all of our listeners to definitely check it out. Alan and Jake, I sure appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brenda. Brenda. This is wonderful. And again, that is Alan Badia and Jake Stanley, both coaches with Amazing Parish. I will be sure to add a link to where you can get straight to their webpage. Find out all the information for yourself. You're going to find the link on the podcast of this interview, materdayradio.com. Your grace is amazing. Your grace is amazing. It is the word. Wow, Scott, the idea of having a leadership program that keeps connected the parish community and the school community and have it really working together as a school part of the ministry of the church, so important because the parish has so much to offer a school and vice versa, the activity of a school brings life to a parish. Right, and I think, you know, over the years, this idea of Catholic schools came out of a desire to care for the common good. And saints like St. Catherine Drexel and St. Rose Duchesne, icons in Catholic school ministry who really brought about the need to care for the common good. That's changed in in some ways. And so we're challenging our church to, to remember that, to remind folks who come in to be a, a family within the Catholic school system that we are rooted in our Catholic faith. We invite you in to learn more of that, but we're rooted in that. And there's a tension there. Mm. And I think that tension also uh, connects even with the church. When the church, maybe there it's an older church whose children have already graduated, who already left the school, and now who are these families who are coming there? We're, we, we struggle with that at our own parish, but we're trying to find a way to keep connected because it is in that connection of the young experience to the elder experience, which is the complete package of the church of St. Joseph and any church who has a school, that's beautiful. It can be amazing in trying to find the way to lead towards that awareness that this is an amazing gift of these two components, youth and elders, and the community in between. And not only are there those parish families who have children, though, that aren't part of the Catholic school system. For us, we knew that our kids, while they went to Catholic elementary school all the way through eighth grade, we knew that they were going to go to a public high school. It's kind of what our intention was. And so they became part of the junior high youth group, even though they were getting all of their faith formation through the Catholic school, because we wanted our kids to interact with other Catholic children whose life experience is different than their own. And we've heard it even before, you know, there have been tough PTO meetings at school where I've heard parents say things like, this is not a parish school. This is a school that has a parish on its campus. That was the kind of disconnect that we would have to struggle through. And it was our goal to teach our kids, no, whether you go to Catholic school or you go to public school and attend the Catholic church, your experience to Christ should be the same, that your relationship to God, to Christ, to the Holy Spirit and your ministries, all the same. And so it was important for us to have for our kids, 
a full experience. And the beautiful outgrowth of that is that our kids went to public school and truly were the lights that we hoped they would be mm-hmm. in public school. I mean, how many people in a public school setting who are not of a faith experience suffer tremendous difficulties in life that those who are in a faith experience suffer? But without that faith that roots us in the hope and the love that we stay connected, boy, it's a challenge for young kids to go through that experience of high school. And so we noticed that our kids, there were kids gravitating to our kids because they brought something different. It's mm-hmm. the it's the smell of the Holy Spirit. I mean, truly. And how exciting that is. And yet we're having to risk because they're not in that, maybe that protective bubble that we once had them and we thought. But we, we willingly allow it because we see God's work in it. And it's beautiful. Now, I would venture to say, and tell me if you agree, that our son-in-law and our future son-in-law, these two young men that are in our daughter's lives, did they not also see that light that they couldn't quite pin down what it was? And and yet we know what that was that Absolutely. attracted them. Absolutely. And right, right down to um, our son right now stays rooted in the faith that we've we've given him and we're not forcing him he's asking the questions and wanting to partake in that faith in a stronger way now that he has a perspective as this young adult that he's become so that comes from a tethering of his schooling at the catholic school and his experience in the parish and the amazing opportunity but it takes families who connect to both to really make a bridge so that the parish never gets disconnected from the school that they have responsibility for or nor vice versa, nor that the parents in that school feel disconnected from the parish. And that is a priest's challenge who has the responsibility to administer that. And boy, do they need help from those faithful parents who can see the value of lifting up their leader the one who has been charged by the archbishop or bishop to care for his flock. And that's the pastor. Absolutely. And you can know in your own mind, you've seen those parishes where the parish, the principal, the school parents, everyone working together, and they are truly beautiful campuses and beautiful lights within our archdiocese. Scott, before we go, will you end us in a prayer? Yes. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the great gift of community that we see in our parishes and our schools. Help us this week to see one another more clearly as disciples who follow those who have been put in charge to lead. Help us to pray for those leaders and help those leaders to be humble to lead us where you call us to. We ask all this in your holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our View from the Pew. God bless. Have a great week. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon.